0: Thank you guys for being here with us uh, tonight uh, as we are our second week um, in what I believe uh, to be will be a, uh, at this point, six or seven week series. Um, if you were not here last week as Charlie had Told us in which we are super excited about how we have a podcast or a way for you to kind of keep up with what is going on. And last week, how we talked about how to find the one or maybe some principles that you could apply to your life in finding the one. And if you're looking for the one, and uh, we've titled this series The Friend Zone. And really because every college person or young adult that I talk to at one time or another, you have been in the friend zone and it is one of the most awkward seasons or stages in your life when uh, you are waiting for that other person or individual uh, to solidify some things for you. If you need to have a DTR, if you need to figure out where things are, you feel like you're in limbo mode to where if you should uh, pursue them, if they should pursue you, and we talk. talked about that a little bit last week and some principles that hopefully you can apply, Um, and tonight we are going to talk about singleness, and I've titled this uh, Bachelor Till the Rapture, Uh, and if you've heard that phrase, that means you grew up in church, and if you didn't, uh, you have no idea what the rapture is and what that means, and so uh, I'm not going to get into that tonight, but uh, long story short, you maybe feel like if you are single or you have been single for a long period of time that your fear might be be that you would be single uh before you know until jesus comes back and to be honest it is a fear that you have because man you don't want to die or you don't want to go to heaven even you're scared that you would you know cross over from death uh to life and you would um be single like that is that is a fear you have you're concerned about that and maybe there are two groups uh of uh, singles in this uh, area here tonight, not inside, but um, two groups where you have been single for about three weeks or three months and it is a short period of time and you are terrified. Um, You don't know what that means for you. You're nervous about that and you don't even know what to feel about that and you hopefully will find some help tonight. There's the other portion of you singles where you've been single for some time, Um, I'm not saying a year, I'm not saying two years, I mean, you fill in the blank what that is, and you have went through some highs and some lows, and you don't know uh, really what to do, or maybe you've listened to 98 sermons about singleness, and you are not optimistic at this point, and I hope tonight uh, to be helpful. I doubt, I doubt if you are very educated on this, um, that I'm going to say something that will blow your mind, like, oh my gosh, I never knew that. Like I didn't know that. If, if you're new here, maybe there are some things that I will say tonight that are new. But my goal tonight, as I said last week, is to be extremely practical and helpful. I want you to leave here at the end of the night. I'm going to say a lot of stuff. As always, I'm going to have a ton of points. I'm going to try and get it all out. Sometimes I'll talk too fast. Some things you won't understand or whatever. But I hope that you walk away with one thing to say, hey, that's, that, that's helpful for me. And for those of you who are not single, you're kind of like, why would I come? Like, I didn't know. Like, I should have just sent my sister. Like, this ain't for me. Like, you, you have someone in your mind who is single where you thought maybe this would be helpful for them. And my challenge for you or my, uh, I guess, uh, quest for you is in Proverbs seventeen twenty eight. it says this, even when a fool keeps his mouth silent, he is considered wise. How many of you, when uh, someone has sought advice from you, they're single, and you start to give them advice? And they walk away more depressed than ever because you just started talking. You just started, man, this was my experience. And you're like, hey, I want to help you. And in the effort, you uh, discouraged them. You made them more depressed. And you kind of walked away. You're like, man, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Hopefully tonight, for those of you who are dating and you do, you're in a good relationship and you're thankful. I mean, you're just doing great. Hopefully tonight you learn something. So next time somebody asks you a question about being single, you're able to actually give some practical wisdom or some advice. And as I said last week, I'll probably say this every single time. um, Dating is not in the Bible. Um, neither is courtship for you uh, Baptist folks. It's not in there. It's not, there's no like book of the Bible that's like Paul's advice for dating. There are wisdom principles that we use and that we will take away from the Bible. And hopefully, hopefully, you're able to agree with those things. Now, some of the things I'm going to say, it happens every time I do a relationship series. Someone will say, well, that's just Mike. I don't give a rip what he thinks. And if you feel that way, what did I say last week, that's fine. I, I mean, you, that is not going to hurt my feelings. If you disagree, agree with something that has substance to it. Maybe it's, a, it's an older person you talk to. It's this chapter or this part of the Bible or this, you know, thing. Don't just say you disagree because you feel that way, because your feelings, as you know, will steer you uh, wrong. Um, so the first thing I want to say tonight, and I know, um, singles, I want to do you justice. I, I want to make sure that you feel understood. I want to make sure I point you in the right direction to God's word. But the first thing I want to say is this, that you are asking this question, why would God give you a good desire and not fulfill it now? You have, if you are single at one time or another, you have asked yourself the question, And if you're a Bible reader, you've been around church. In the Bible, it says that God created man. He created what we talked about last week in Genesis 2, that it is good and that he wants you to find a spouse. And for you, if you are single, you have asked yourself the question, why would God give me this desire and not bring someone to me? Why would he not bring someone in my path? Because uh, for some of you, uh, you would want love or your significant other, whoever you're going to end up to be with, it to be guaranteed. It to be a fact that you will meet someone at one time or another. It is a sure thing that there is no uncertainty in that. Um, the other night, actually, in preparation for this uh, message, my wife and I watched that show on or the movie on Netflix, Love Guarantees. Uh, incredible uh, love story. I did not like it, but it was very. Uh, no, it gave me a lot of wisdom and knowledge. I felt like watching that. Uh, this guy goes on like a thousand dates and he tries to sue this Love Guaranteed company. It's kind of like matchmaker, and in the pursuit of suing the company. You know the story, girls, like he, you know, with the lawyer, hooks up with the lawyer, they're married, at the end they get married, it's great. And as singles, um, I was thinking through this, you have probably felt like you want love to be guaranteed. Will I find love? Will I find someone? And if I find someone, where am I going to find them? And if it's only one person, where should I see them at? Is it at church? Is it, I mean, oh, I don't know. There are a lot of weirdos there. Is it at, the, at school? Is it at this person? Who am I supposed to talk to and all these things? And so you're asking, man, what, what am I supposed to do tonight? And if God gives me this desire, why would he not fulfill it now? And sometimes you are assuming that you are single because God is upset with you, that he is upset with you and you have missed the person he had for you. If you've been single for some time, that uh, thought has entered your mind. You are curious, is God disciplining me or punishing me because I messed up? Because you thought maybe in your mind that you are single or maybe you ha- when you were single, it was God really just bringing the hammer down until you fixed things up. And when you didn't fix things up, man, he just said, you're going to be single for a while. And you had the assumption, you had the assumption you missed the person. And in Proverbs 13, 12, it says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And that verse is so true for a lot of singles if you've been single for a long time. Hope deferred, which means when you have no hope, it makes the heart sick. That when you're longing for something and it can't be fulfilled or is not fulfilled, it really leaves this emptiness within you. And it's and I don't want to just turn this whole message into some like big depressing thing and like, oh, poor singles and pity party and crying up here and stuff. But I would like to come out of the gate and say, hey, I don't understand, but I, I would like to. Because as someone who... Uh, is married, has been married for about four years, in order to prepare for this, I had to sit down with about four or five singles and ask them some questions and say, hey, I want to make sure that I'm seeking to understand. And every time I walked out of the conversation, the thing that popped in my head was, you feel like no one understands, no one gets it, and don't pretend that you do understand because you don't. And I'll just come out of the gate and I'll say that, that you feel hopeless in some regards. And it makes you somewhat almost, and when you don't have hope, here's the scary thing about not having hope. You lose what is called quality of life. It's really sad when you lose quality of life. If you were to, if all of us were to, uh, you know, get in uh, Gabe's truck and we were gonna, you know, jump in the back and hang on to Zeddy's Jeep and really head over to the nearest nursing home. When you get to the nursing home and you start to, and we, we're not allowed in nursing homes right now. I don't know why I'm using that illustration. Anyway, if we were to get to a nursing home or talk to someone where something has happened to them where they lose quality of life man, their eyesight's gone, or they can't really walk anymore, they're not able to see their loved ones, when they lose quality of life, life to them, it makes them sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when something is fulfilled, it's a tree of life. It's life to you. So I want to come out of the gate, and I want to make sure you know that I'm trying to understand, but I probably don't to the fullest, and I still hope tonight is helpful to you. So before I talk to the singles, what I would like to do is talk to those of you who are dating someone, and you probably should be single. Just a little turn here. I'm going to try and be super quick. Um, Was that a clap that I heard that? Uh, Yeah, sweet. So uh, my man is here. Um, If we are going to talk about those who are single, I believe there is a portion who either is going to listen to this message or you're here tonight where you are not single, but you probably should be. And what I want to say is before some of you and you're, I'm going to pull some things up on the screen and you're going to get angry at me. Girls, you're going to want to slap me. Um, Guys, you're going to want to, you know, whatever. Before that happens, you have to ask yourself the question, why do I feel this way? Why is this emotion being produced in me? So the first thing is this, um, you should get single if you don't agree about Jesus. It says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, it's the NLT. No, Mike's not losing it, so don't lose your mind. Just trust me. Just just be patient. Uh, Don't team up with those. I don't know why that's a misspell, but those who are unbelievers. Don't team up, and uh, you know why I'm using the NLT, because unequally yoked. I'm not talking about eggs here, but don't team up with someone who is not a believer. And here's what I'm saying. You should be single or you should get single if you are with someone who does not agree with you about Jesus the foundational truth that Jesus Christ came in as God in the flesh, that he died on the cross, he rose again from the dead. And in order to have a relationship with God, you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus. If you disagree about that with the person you're dating, it will be rocky and you need to make a calculated risk decision that this is probably not going to go as well as I hope. If you are dating someone and you disagree about Jesus, and I'll say this, if you're someone and you don't follow Jesus and the person you're with does not follow Jesus, you would say, hey, we both disagree, and that, that, that works out great. We both disagree about that reality. But I will say this, if you are pursuing marriage or dating for marriage, and at this point I know that's, that's why you're dating, if you're dating for marriage and you disagree about Jesus, he and, and not to be corny or cliche, he is the actual glue in a marriage. I mean, he is what holds together. He mu- you must agree about Jesus. Now, uh, a wisdom thing is what if you agree about points of theology or points about the Bible, um, and, and they, they land on this thing, and they're this, you know, they believe this one, and they went to this church. What if you're dating someone, and they disagree about X, Y, and Z as far as what Christians believe or what you believe? You have to ask yourself this question. Could I raise my kids that way? Could I raise my kids that way? Um, Hope and I had many conversations, and here's what's true. Your theology or your belief about certain things will change. It will change. They'll shape and they'll mold, hopefully get sharper. They'll kind of grow over the years. And you have to ask yourself the question when you're pursuing someone to to marry or to be with, can we make these kind of decisions together? Is it possible? And if you can't, you have to ask, man, are we headed in the right direction? Which leads me to my second point: You should get single if your future plans do not line up. Proverbs six twenty four: Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Amos three three: What a curveball, man! Such an obscure Old Testament verse. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? If you are, and when it says ponder or think, it's saying plan, prepare. If you're with someone, and um, in two years they're going off uh, to med school for nineteen years. Um, That should be a conversation. Um, when I was uh, dating someone, actually, at Word of Life, uh, the year before I met Hope, her name was Abby. Um, uh, we, we were dating, we were talking, and as we were in the midst of the conversation, at that point, I ha- I did not know what I wanted to do uh, with my life, and she wanted, her main calling in life was to be a pastor's wife. That was her calling. And at that point, I still wanted to cut meat and be a butcher. So you was like, yeah, who's this guy? Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. And she told me this, and it was a good decision, I guess, on her part, and I'm thankful, now, because obviously I'm married to Hope, but in the middle of it, I said, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, like, I I mean, I think this is what I want to do, and she said to me, well, if that's what you want to do, then we can't be together, because we're headed in two separate directions, and I said, bet. (laughs) Spoiler alert, I I became a pastor, like, joke's on you, so um, anyway, (laughs) hopefully she never hears this, but I'm just saying, you should agree about future plans, you have to talk about them, eventually it needs to be a conversation, not date one. Like, not like, hey, how many kids are you thinking? But eventually, yes, you should have that conversation eventually. I wouldn't ask that in uh, your engagement, premarital counseling. Like, that needs to come out before you need to talk about future plans. Because if you don't, um, when it comes up, the last thing you want to hear about major life decisions that you're planning on is this. Why didn't you tell me that? Why didn't you say something? Well, you never asked. I mean... I figured if you wanted to go in the military, you would have told me. You want to have those types of conversations. You should get single. And number three, this is where some of you might get mad, but that's okay. Um, If the relationship was built on sin and that's not changing... It's not changing. Let me explain this. Um, Sometimes people will, uh, they don't agree about Jesus. They'll start to date. And when they start to date, um, really, there's just a lot of uh, stuff. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, you guys really didn't pursue Jesus. I mean, it was X, Y, and Z. You did this. You did that. And then you guys started dating. And then maybe one of you started following Christ. And then the other one did. And maybe you could say it was built on sin or it was sinful. And eventually there was some change that took place. If it was built on sin and you both have changed, you both uh, maybe have made better life decisions, praise God. But if it does not, this is what takes place. Uh, Colossians 3, 5-6 uh, to 6 says this, Put to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming, which is his discipline or his uh, correction. It is what is coming. You used to walk in these ways, but now you must also—I'm sorry, I can't say that—must also rid yourself of these things. And it says this, do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. And I think that when it comes to relationships, a lot of times you will be in a relationship and you believe this lie that is in your head. Maybe you have already had sex with the person. You feel like you're already in a little too deep. And at this point, you might as well just stay together. You've already made that mistake. You've already crossed the line. And you thought, well, at this point, I would rather, we we might as well just stay together. Which I would say is an absolute horrible decision horrible decision. If if the relationship was built on sin and you've decided to change, maybe you've decided to follow Jesus or make some better life decisions, and they have not, I would not keep pursuing in the relationship if there is no desire to head in the right direction. If there's no desire. And maybe it's maybe it's one conversation. I know how it how it goes. Um, you'll have the conversation. We want to change. We want to be better. We want to stop doing this. And what happens? We just make a, make another mistake. You make another one, and then it's right after. Hey, I'm so sorry. I, I mean, you're right. We shouldn't do that. Maybe we should pray. Let's pray. Let's let's forget. Let's ask for forgiveness, which is good. But then guess what? It it happens again and then it happens again, and then it happens again, and then it happens again. If you're able to look back over the past year or two years and be like, man, honestly, it's just, nothing's changing. If it's built on that, God's discipline does come. It just is a reality. You should get single if that's true. And number four is like super spiritual. You should get single if you want to be. Um, No, like it, I didn't even got a verse for that, man. Like, I was look, I was thinking, I was like, Proverbs. The... Like, if you want to be, if you are in a relationship and you feel stuck, you feel stuck, or maybe you're in a relationship and your fear and what paralyzes you is what? I don't want to be single. I'll end up with a bunch of cats. I'll just be a single lady, and I'll be 35, and I'll have a bunch of cats. Uh, This is absolutely hilarious. I was talking to my my niece and her friend who are in ninth grade. They listened to the podcast. They pulled me aside at lunch on Sunday, and they had a million questions, and then they froze up, and I told them uh, they need to be listening to the single one. I was like, you girls are going to be single for a long time. And I was talking to them. I said, you don't want to be single with a bunch of cats. And Haley was like, what if I want to be single with a bunch of cows? I was like, bet. I was like, sure, if you want to. So Haley and uh, Grace, there you go. But anyway, if you want to be single, listen, you can do bad by yourself. If the relationship is exhausting and always taking from your quality of life, it's pulling you and you feel like your relationship with God suffers, I would obviously pray and pursue and seek out wisdom, people who know the specific situation, but I would not put all my chips in, change my career, switch my college, in the hopes that eventually they get it together. They get it together. People do change, and I said last week that you don't date the person or marry the person so that they change. You change. Hopefully, you change together. You change together and maybe your pursuit of Christ. You're doing it together. So those are some things for those of you who are dating. Hopefully, um, it is helpful. Now I'm going to transition four things why you might be single for a long time, a very long time. Uh, pull up the first one for me. The person you're waiting for does not exist. I said this last week about expectations and it needs to be said again. And and there's two balances here. And I want to make sure that I don't just like make all of you feel like marriage is a drag and wedding day should be like, hey, I mean, she got a pulse like it is what it is. There, there's a balance here. And let me tell you how I felt on wedding day and how I believe, um, and not that my experience is normative for everybody, but on wedding day, you should feel like you're like, I mean, you should feel like it's incredible. Like you can't believe that you found someone like that. Someone, I mean, I felt like I was getting away with something. Like, I just, Hope was a little bit young, and I was like, I'm just going to, you know, I mean, we were engaged for like three months, which is another story. I mean, it was just, I felt like wedding, day. I was like, hey, we need to like say our do, our, our I do's like quick before she actually gets to know. Like, I felt like I was getting away with something, because Hope is just awesome. I mean, if you get to know her, she is just incredible. You should feel that way on wedding day. But in the midst of feeling that way and knowing that, there was also a reality for me where I said, Hey, I mean, we're, we're probably going to have some issues. We probably are going to have some issues. You might be single for a long time if your expectation is extremely high and that person does not exist. Does not exist. I'm not going to beat this drum because I brought it up last week and I talked a lot about it. Number two. Um, you are scared of being rejected and going on dates. I forget the verse, but it says you miss hundred of the hundred sh- percent of the shots you don't take. Um, that was Michael Jordan. But anyway, uh, not the verse. Someone's like, "What verse?" Like, I love that. Uh, you you're scared of being rejected and going on dates. Let me just say this: You will be single for a very long time if you looked at a girl, you went like this, and you think she knows you're interested. I'm serious. There has to be the pursuit. And I'm I'm still going back and forth about week uh, four and five. If I'm going to talk about do the girls pursue, do the guys pursue. I'm going back and forth because, I mean, is it the Sadie Hawkins? Is, does the guy always have to be the one who pursues? But if your fear of a girl telling you, hey, I'm just not interested, will destroy you, you might be single for a long time. There are... Yeah, you're going to be told no. And listen, it's okay. It's okay. And girls, if you never give the indication that you you like that they pursued you, you will be single for a long time as well. If the guy even gives you a hint, like, I mean, just a hint. I, I don't even know what the example is right now because I didn't think about it, and I don't want to go too far because, I mean, I might it'll get weird. But if he gives you a hint and you think he's giving you a hint, Tell him, hey, hey, I would like to do that. I'd like to go on a date. Yeah, I'd like to do. I mean, if if they're somewhat showing you and girls you I'm getting claps all over tonight, my man. So you have to be able to say this. And if you're not interested, here's what you're here's what you're scared of. I know what it is. Was it a legit pursuit? And guys, if you're like, "Hey, I need to tell her I'm not interested," but we'll get weird if she was, and then I'm gonna say, "Hey, I want to let you know I'm not interested in dating." She's like, "I wouldn't even know what you're talking. You're weird." Like, and then they run away and they tell all their friends he thought I liked him, and it's okay, it's okay. Fear is a paralyzer; it truly is. And being rejected and someone saying they don't like you is not a personal attack on your life. It's not. It doesn't mean they hate you, it might, but I doubt it. Like they might just not think you're good looking or you're their type or you're too short, guys, we're too short, or maybe you're not this or whatever. And guess what? It's okay. As I said last week, there is somebody for what? Everybody. Yeah, there is. And I I don't say that so that you kind of lower the bar, but I say that for you to make a calculated risk and decision of if I never ask someone on a date, what does that mean? I will never go on a date. And, and girls, let me just tell you, or guys, let me tell you what the girls say. Nobody asks me out. Nobody is showing interest. And, and then they'll say this. They'll say, well, it's just the guys there. or Maybe it's in this class. They're this, and they're, they're sissies, and blah, blah, blah. And man, my dad said they should, you know. The, and then they make all these, these claims. But guys, listen, if you're interested, I would just say something. And it's not, it's not engagement. Like, I wouldn't have money in the budget for the ring at that time. I would just say, hey, can we get a group of friends and get to know each other? I mean, that, that's okay. That, that is okay. But you need to know, you might be single for a very long time. If, if the fear of being rejected and going on dates is, is, precedes wanting to be with someone. If that fear is over top of that, you need to know that that you, you might be single for a very long time. Number three, it's the choice you're making for now. Um, some of you are sitting here tonight. Maybe you've been single for two weeks and you feel more free than you've ever felt. Um, you're like, man, I, guys, you're like, single is being great. I got money. Um, I, I got freedom. Um, I got time. I don't have to, I mean, man, I just got, I, I can't, I talked to someone. He's like, man, it's just, I can't, I can't text every day, all day. Like I just can't, it's, it's a grind. And then the girl's like, well, you don't have to, t-. you know, they're going back and forth and, um, but for some of you, you would say, whether you're single for two weeks, two months, two years, 10 years, whatever it is, if you're saying, Hey, it's the choice I'm making for now, that is okay. You are not a lesser than citizen if you are single, you are not a lesser than Christian if you are single. And some of the singles are like, yeah, you, you bet, because the church is ran by us. Like, we do everything. Like, you, we got time, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But Matthew 19, and you're laughing because you just said it on the way here. He don't say that. Um, Matthew 19 says this, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it is given. This is Jesus talking. For the, for there are eunuchs. I would love to talk about that. Who were born that way, and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. If you have made the choice to be single, don't feel the need to have that you need to justify it in front of everyone else. And usually, man, who is it? It's your grandma. Like, why is she bringing up that I got to meet someone? Like, I'm 24 and I'm happy. Like, it's okay, ma, grandma. Like, you, you feel like you have to justify it. if it's your choice. Be confident. Be content. And when people bring it up, don't feel the need that you are lesser than. Because as we said last week, Jesus didn't come and die on the cross so you would get married. He didn't. I doubt if the singles, when they die and they face God and they're going to heaven, and he's like, really? You got no heritage or nothing. (laughs) Like... Like nothing, like what'd you do on Christmas? We wanna know, like we, we would like to know. That's not going to happen. This is, the, this is what you have to, every single needs to answer this question. What does God want from me in this season? And if that season again is two weeks, two months, two years, and we'll talk about if it is your lifetime, whatever it is, what does God want from me? What does he want me to do? Who does he want me to be, and what is he trying to teach me? What is he trying to teach me? The Christian life is a life of constantly denying yourself. Yes, it is full of God's blessings, and he'll bless your socks off. He'll throw things your way, and he'll do things in your life you could never imagine. But it is a life of denying yourself and following him. And the singles, you're sitting there and you're saying, yeah, easy for you to say married guy. Yeah, what did you deny yourself? What was your denial? Like, we want to know, would you have to wake up earlier and have a quiet time? Like, what was the denial you have to have? Whatever the denial is and whatever God is asking you to do, a lot of times we will try to justify our lack of by comparing to others. And it's constantly looking at other people. What, why would God do this in their life? Why would God allow her to get married? Why would God allow this to happen? Because the legitimate fear you have is the pool is getting what? Smaller. Yeah, you're just like, yeah, people just started getting married after college and they're in college now and you're worried. Like the person maybe you thought you were with or maybe the person you thought you'd be with, you're, it, it's a fear you have and I understand that fear. But you would rather wait, you would rather wait for who God would have for you than rush and be with someone who you should not be with. Being single and frustrated is a million times better than being married and having regrets. And I can say, I mean, it is is a better decision. I have no regrets. Don't look at me like that. Uh, you guys are like, he opening up. Like, uh, No, I, I'm saying that because um, I, I know individuals who are married, and when you are not married and happy, it is, it is very difficult. It is taxing on you. What does God want from me in this season? Number four, you're expecting an unlikely variable. Uh, Exodus 16, again, obscure Old Testament. The Lord said, "I will rain down bread from heaven for you. So in this story, uh, they're they're waiting for food and Moses is leading the pack and they can't get anything to eat. And what's God do, man? He just I mean bread. I don't know what kind of bread uh, sliced it was it buns? I don't I don't know what kind of bread, but man, just raining down from heaven. And a very unlikely variable that that happened. Does God still rain down bread from heaven? I have no idea. I have yet to see it. Uh, But for some of you, you will be single for a very long time if you're waiting for an unlikely variable. Remember last week when I talked about uh, the hook that I was going to explain about my dad's story and how my mom and dad met and how I was going to, hopefully you would come back to hear the story. Well, the story was this. My dad walked up to uh, a lady at school that he had never met before uh, had a five-minute conversation. And he looked at her and he said, hey, I want to let you know we're going to get married. And my mom laughed and said, that's funny. And she walked away. He said he waited three weeks. He went back to her and said, hey, I just want to let you know that we're getting married. And girls, you're like, I would die for that. Uh, (laughs) And guys, you were like, if a gun was held to my head, not a chance. And so I don't, and and, and I honestly have no idea. He says, I mean, if he was here by Michael, like he, he would say he never, he only said that to one person and it was my mom. He said that to her. They were married like a year later. It was crazy. Wild story. It is an unlikely variable. I would not have that as a point in the message, like walk up to randoms and, you know, speak it to existence. Like I would never say that, Uh, but that's what happened. That's what, that's what he did. Don't wait for a bread from heaven type story or don't have that expectation where the variable is very unlikely. If you are single and you feel like you've been single for a long time, I would not sit around and just wait for a bread from heaven type experience because that type of experience, does God bring bread from heaven for people and are those stories still taking place? Yeah, sure. There's still crazy stories. I mean, yeah, I mean, The Bachelor, you watch it and you're like, I think I could get on The Bachelor. And, girls, you're like, I mean, I'm, I submit my, my resume. You want to get and you're like, I will get married. And maybe you don't. You sit and you watch, like my wife, for hours and hours and hours in critique. You have uh, charts and brackets and your, your bidding and all those things. That's what you do. It's just entertainment. It's not sin. It's entertainment, you know. And you, you would like a variable like that. You will be single for a long time if you uh, sit down and you just wait. And you don't do this, but... Um, illustration-wise, you kind of just sit at a bench and you kind of just hope somebody will come up and say something and eventually you just get married. You have to have conversation and you have to pursue someone. If you are single and you are not content, you might be single for a long time. If you're waiting for the variable, that is pretty unlikely. Now, I want to shift here and talk about what to do with your singleness. Um, and as we kind of transition here to close up, but um, the first thing is this: don't don't waste it. Um, singleness is truly, um, and I want to. I know some of you will be mad at me for saying this, but that's okay. It is a gift. It is a gift. If you have the perspective or the thought in your mind that singleness is God's discipline or His punishment. You will never get out of singleness what God wants you to get. You just can't, no matter what the season is. It says in 1 Corinthians um, 7, I'm going to read 7, uh, 32 to 35. This is what Paul says. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of the world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman is concerned about the Lord's affairs. His, her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of the world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in an undivided devotion to the Lord. Um. This is why I say singleness is a gift, and you shouldn't waste your singleness. Um, When you are single, you can do, you're just more available, right? And that's not a bad thing. Uh, Before I got married, I mean, I, I feel like I was just free. I mean, free as a bird. I mean, the bank account was bigger. You just had more options. You had more opportunities. Literally, you can do whatever you want. And the goal would be that you would use it to have an undivided devotion to the Lord, and maybe this is me taking it too far, but I've thought about this statement and I do believe it's, it's probably true. I believe when, when we die and when we face God, there's a portion of that time that's called the Bema seat, where you will sit before the Lord, you'll be judged, you have five crowns, I'm going way in left field, but you have crowns that you receive from the Lord for the works that you've done as a Christian and you give them back to him. I believe that singles are going to put married people in the dust that you would not waste that season of life that God has for you. If you are single and you are discontent and you are struggling with that, it is, that season is not for you to resent where God has you. It's not to resent what he's doing. It's for you to say, God, what do you want from this season? Where do you want me to serve? Where do you want me to use my spiritual gifts and even if you, and, and I know this is hard because for some of you, it is very, very, very personal. It is not a theoretical situation. It is personal and it is frustrating. And you and God have had a thousand conversations about this and it does not change the way you feel about it. Just don't waste it. Don't waste what God would want to do through you and in you, in your singleness. Number two, learn contentment. If you are single, learn contentment and get. In case God says not now or not for you, if God says not now, if He's saying that right now, contentment is actually a foreign skill. I believe it's a skill to be to be developed. It says in Philippians chapter four, verses eleven to thirteen, it says this: "I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned." I mean. In your Bible, learn to be content in whatever circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know how to have plenty. And I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. In this verse, some of you, maybe first time tonight, you'll learn what it means. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe in your singleness when you are struggling with that and you have to not waste it, but in the same breath, always struggling with the question or the reality, God, what if this is not for me and what if this is for this season? And some of you, you ask yourself the question every day, how long will this last? How long will this last? And in your season of waiting, you always maybe you go back you think about the, you know, the relationship you had previously. Could you have made it work? And you're constantly thinking about what this person said, and if this would have worked, and if you want to listen to this person. And in, in that, you, the, the skill, learning contentment is a foreign skill to us. It truly is. We don't know how it feels. We don't know how to live it out. Contentment is something that God does give to us, but it is a learned skill, as Paul says. I have learned to be content. There are some seasons where you will feel like you are content when you're pursuing the Lord, and there are some seasons, uh, and for some of you, it's maybe it's around wintertime, it's around Christmas time, it's Valentine's Day, it's all these times where you would say you struggle with contentment. Paul said it is a secret to be learned. It is a secret to be learned. So the question that I kind of want to close out with is this. Do you trust God with your singleness? For those of you, you've trusted God for your salvation, that you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, you've trusted him with your future plans or your financial decisions, how you trust where God has you. But your singleness, he's, he's running the whole universe, but man, he, he kind of forgot about you. It says in Isaiah 40, 12 to 15, it says this, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? And who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who has taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge and showed him in the path of understanding? Surely the nations, oh my gosh, are like, drop, are like drops in a bucket and they are regarded as dust on the scales. God has created the universe and it is literally in the palm of his hand no one consulted him no one counseled him and it says in psalm 139 that he knows you he knows your ways he knows your thoughts he knows your desires and we have to ask ourselves the question do we trust god enough to where we can be content and say god whatever you want to do with my life do you trust him it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and some of you got this down. I mean, it's, it's, it's by your speedometer. You got the verse up, and you're quoting this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Some of you think that uh, God will bring a spouse, and all these things are kind of in your head or maybe stories you've heard. You believe God will bring someone to you once you kind of get your act together once you stop looking at porn, once you stop flirting around, once you stop doing this, once you stop lying, once you stop, you know, the addictions you have or whatever you believe, then God will bring someone to you. And last week we talked about how there are no absolutes. There are no absolutes. We have to come to God and say, what do you want from me? It says in Acts 20, 24, in this verse, I mean, mean, Sunday, I, I read it. And have you ever read a verse that just beat you up? Not just you read it on the page and someone just talked about it, but like kept you up. This verse, man. Paul says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me. The task of testifying of the good news of God's grace. So for Paul, um, his mission in life was really denying whatever was in front of him. Whatever he, whatever God was bringing to him, he wanted to complete the task and to spread the gospel. And it was his; it was personal. And in this area, when it comes in relationships, I believe obedience is very personal. It's very personal. God, what have you given to me to do? What do you have for me? There's a story in Second Kings, uh, twelve. That talks about um, this guy, Rehoboam. He takes over for his dad. His dad was super wise. And when he took over for his dad as king, um, he had big decisions to make. And uh, when he went to make the big decision, there was a bunch of his young buddies. And he went around and he talked to his young buddies. He said, hey, what do you think I should do? And the younger guys were like, bro, if you're in charge, I'd put these guys to work like overtime. I'd give them 60 hours. I'd make it harder for them. And then he walked over and he talked to um, his, his Solomon's advisors, his dad. He walked over to the advisors. And when he had talked to the advisors, they said, hey, don't make it harder. Make it easier. Lighten the load. And what did he do? Rehoboam, it says in Second Kings 12, he walked away and he did what his younger buddies advised him to do. You need to decide this, this question. Who has the loudest voice for you? Who is the loudest voice for you? And I believe that God should be the loudest voice, but sometimes he's not. Sometimes it's not him. We would like it to be. Our hope is that he would be the loudest voice, but sometimes is it not the voice in your head? Is it not the family member who put the pressure on you? It's someone who said something about someone, and that person has the elevated voice in your head that you can't seem to get out As Christians, and if you're single here tonight, or if you're dating, or if you're engaged, or whatever, I believe this applies to all of us. Who is the loudest voice for you? Who will you allow to have the loudest voice for you? I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to be done here tonight, but I want to just challenge us one last time as we close up. If you know someone who is single, and they've talked to you, and you feel like you have given some uh, terrible advice— you're all guilty. You're like, man, I really steered them wrong. I believe it would do the person you talk to a lot of justice if you just kind of went back and said, hey, I'm sorry. I said this. I put some pressure on you. I did this. Would you, would you forgive me? Proverbs thirteen twenty eight. I opened my mouth. I became a fool. Would you? I, I apologize. And if you are here tonight and you are single, and whether you've been single for a long time or a short period of time, um, I hope that tonight was helpful. Let me pray. God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word and how it does talk uh, to people who are single, that uh, the singles would have an undivided devotion to the Lord, God, that they would not waste it, that they would use it, and single or not, I pray that all of us would seek to learn contentment. God, whatever you would have in front of us in this season of life, And God, for those who are in a dating relationship, and they probably shouldn't be. Not because they're not ready, but maybe just some of the decisions they have made or they need to make. I pray that you would give them the confidence. I pray that you would give them the boldness. And I pray that you would come alongside them in helping to make that decision. And Lord, we thank you that we get to be here tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, one last announcement. I forgot when we started. Next week, um, we will potentially be in the FLC. Um, and so what I need you to do in order for, if, if you don't follow us on Instagram, please do so. Either way, we will be out here either one more week or two more weeks, and then we're going to head the FLC. If you're not familiar with here, it's right there, that building. You head through those doors in the left. But please, uh, just so you know, we will be here next week continuing the series, but uh, we might be in the FLC. So thank you guys for being here here tonight. Uh, Have a good one.